scripture this morning is, uh, it's not Acts 8, 31 through 38. It's actually Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. And I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, If any wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is a word for all the ages. May God add a blessing to its reading today. Amen. Well, I got one for you today. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be easy to preach it, and I don't know if it's gonna be easy to hear it, but I got one for you today. But at least it starts out on a light note. Once upon a time, when I was back in Iowa, I was cruising down a country road on a beautiful summer day. I came over the crest of this hill, and off in the distance, I saw a man walking down the side of the road. And as I got a little bit closer, I discovered that this man had literally decided to take up his cross and follow Jesus. There he was, walking down the highway, dragging this big, old, heavy wooden cross behind him. And I gotta tell you, it got my attention. But, as I got even closer, and I finally met up with this wannabe Jesus, I realized that he wasn't dragging the cross at all. He was rolling the cross along behind him. He had put wheels on the cross and I thought, this guy's cheating. I said, I said to myself, man, if you're going to do it right, or if you're going to do it, you got to at least do it right. I mean, come on, you can't put wheels on the cross. Some people really are crazy, aren't they? I mean, what the heck? is the point of putting wheels on the cross and rolling it down the highway. How is that going to help anybody? That can't be what Jesus meant when he said to take up the cross. It seemed to me that this guy was pretty confused about what Jesus was talking about. And you know, as I thought about him, I found myself wondering how far he had walked with that cross. 
I wonder if he had some goal for distance, like maybe he was traveling across the country, or maybe a goal for time, say, carrying or rolling the cross for six months or a year. I know he wasn't doing it for Lent because, as I said, it was during the summertime. And as I, w- I also wonder if at one time when he was walking along, say at day 32, I don't know, did he ever think to himself as he was rolling the cross and thinking of Jesus, did he ever think, man, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is not what Jesus was talking about. I, I really missed the message on this one. And then I wonder, if that did happen, if he finally realized how foolish he had been, if he saw how far off the mark he had gone, did he stop? Or did he keep going, committed to his goal, ignoring the truth to stick to his plan? You know, it's pretty hard to give something up once you've committed to it. And I don't think that this commitment was probably an easy one for him to make. I'm sure it took some guts and perhaps a little insanity, but most of all determination for this man to stop whatever it was he was doing before, pick up the cross, put some wheels on it, and take off down the highway. I'm sure it was not a lightly made decision And how easy would it be for him to change his plan? This is the story of Peter in our gospel reading for today. Once upon a time, Peter made a decision. He dropped what he was doing and he took off down the road after Jesus. Maybe it was a bold decision. Maybe Peter was just trying to escape the life that he was living. Either way, he set off down the road expecting adventure, I'm sure. And I believe that both of these men, Peter and the man on the highway, looked at Jesus and they each had a hunch that this man was the answer to something. Can you picture... Sorry, let me back up a second. They saw... The amazing things that he had done, and they heard the stories that he told, and they felt his power, his utter lack of fear, and they saw the purpose and the determination with which he did everything, and they latched on. Can you picture Peter following along, watching every move that Jesus made? And can't you also picture that other man before he decided to walk down the highway? Can you picture him sitting in his Bible study group with a with a small group of charismatic Christians loving every minute of it and at the same time struggling to find some way to hold on to this new power in his life. Wishing that all the world could feel what he had felt. Have you ever had one of those moments? Have you ever felt the wonderful and frightening power of God reaching into your heart? Have you ever looked at that man named Jesus and loved him, loved all that he stood for and wanted to be near him? And have you ever believed that given enough time, Jesus really could transform the world? Has that ever happened to you? This is what Peter knew. Peter knew that the world needed Jesus. Just before this story that we read today in the Gospel of Mark, 
Peter tells Jesus that he is the Messiah, that he is Christ or God's anointed one, the Christ, the deliverer. Peter knew that the world needed Jesus. And this man rolling his cross down the highway, he knew that the world needed Jesus too. What else could this be? When you look at it from his perspective, what else could this be but a desperate attempt to get closer to that mysterious power that Jesus held? That strength, that purpose, that fearlessness. And yet, when it came down to it, when each of these men finally got close enough that Jesus spoke to them quite openly, they still did not get it. We're talking in this church about being disciples and wanting to know what it takes to be a disciple. And if you look at this story, I think you have here what the author of Mark believes makes a disciple. According to Mark, a disciple is someone who can get that close to Jesus and still not get it. That's us, isn't it? Let me ask you again. Have you ever felt the wonderful and frightening power of God reaching into your life? Have you ever looked at the man named Jesus and loved him, loved all that he stood for and wanted to be near him? Have you ever believed that given enough time, Jesus really could transform the world? And let me ask you again, have you taken up your cross? Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about, I'm not asking if you've rolled one down the road lately. That's not the cross that Jesus talked about. That is not the cross that terrified Peter. The cross was not a pleasant walk along the countryside. It was a torturous instrument of execution. To borrow an analogy from one of my preaching classmates at Isla, that's, that might as well be an electric chair hanging around your neck. It's not jewelry. And just so you know, before I continue with this sermon, I want to make it clear that this is a difficult sermon to preach because this message is not just for you all out there, it's for me up here too. I don't want you to get the feeling that because I'm standing at the pulpit, I know everything that I'm doing and I've got it all figured out. This is a message for all Christians, especially the clergy. Am I right? I mean, let's face it, who else would say, sure, Jesus, I'll follow you. But I uh, I think there are a few things I need in return. I need a parsonage and a pension plan. But since you're not down here working your miracles anymore, I also need some good health insurance. Can you do that for me, Jesus? Somewhere in our lives there's a point of disconnect. There is a direction that we will not let Jesus take us. No, instead, we sit, we pull him aside and we rebuke him because we think we know what we're talking about. What do you think Peter was saying to Jesus? How do you think that conversation went? I bet it went something like this. Jesus, or Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, Look, Jesus, what are you doing? Listen, I've been waiting. We've all been waiting for a Messiah for quite some time now, and now you have arrived. We believe you are the one. But I think, Jesus, that you're a little bit confused about what a Messiah should do. 
You see, I've been studying this quite a bit, and uh, I know that you're never going to set us free, Jesus. If you go and get yourself killed, maybe instead you should start thinking about how you're going to structure your kingdom when you come into power. And you know how Jesus responds. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, No, Peter, you're wrong. You're wrong. What you say sounds right, it even sounds wise. But you're wrong. And you know who you remind me of, Peter? You remind me of Satan when I was out in the wilderness with him. You need to be quiet now, Peter. And you need to get behind me. One can see Jesus' frustration. Here he is trying to start a revolution. Turning the world upside down. And even his closest followers don't have a clue. These are the people that are going to be left behind to carry on the work. How would you respond if you were Jesus? All that time you spent trying to show people the difference between a life of love and a life of fear. And how do they respond once more out of fear? Jesus' response in the gospel is harsh, but it's appropriate. For we do not set our hearts on God. But all too often we act out of fear which leads to self-preservation and ultimately self-interest. Once and for all, Jesus declares a new requirement. That is to take up the cross, to overcome the terror, to give up our lives so that we might discover what it really is to live. But what does this mean? How does one take up the cross? How does one give up everything? Are we to speak and act in ways that may get us assassinated? Is that what he's talking about? Are we to become revolutionaries, martyrs for the cause? Are we to give up our very lives? Is that really what Jesus means? Yes. If it comes to that, if it comes to that, yes. I truly believe that if you ask Jesus that very question, he would answer loudly and emphatically, yes. Of course we will fall short. Of course, we will fail. We're only human. We will get scared. We will misunderstand teachings. We will even deny that we know the truth. We will rebuke Jesus, probably on a daily basis. But here's the other part of being a disciple. We know that if we stick with it, if we truly want to follow Jesus badly enough, as thick-headed as we are, one day we will be walking down the, roll, the road, rolling the cross behind us and thinking of Jesus, and it will finally dawn on us how foolish we have been, how far away from him we have wandered. But this time, instead of ignoring the revelation and pressing on toward our predetermined goal, we will chuck that cross into the ditch and stick out our thumbs and hitch a ride to begin God's work. This is the way. Amen. Amen.